Greetings and salutations, cool cats and cuties. Welcome, one and all, to the anime podcast of some sort. My name's David Majors. I'm also known as DJM, my initials. I have a brand new microphone. That's where APOS was for a little while. Sorry, everybody. If you're rejoining and all of that, yes, we're back. I just had to get a new microphone. It died. It broke. But the anime podcast of some sort still rolls on, and I'm accompanied once again by my intrepid co-host Jack D'Allister. What's up, Jack? Obnoxious 90s catchphrase with finger waggle. Was that good? Did I do good, David? That's why I keep him around, folks. That's why I keep him around. (laughs) I try. And we've we've managed to wrangle another guest on the APOS podcast this time, Jack. Uh, Someone that I I am a big, big fan of, uh, coming to us courtesy of the Drunken Anime blog over at idrinkandwatchanime.com. What a wonderful name, Miss Edina (laughs) March. Edina, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's entirely my pleasure. Well, let's just jump in. We're we're all really excited to have you, and we're just going to talk about some cartoons and maybe some video games for a little bit, so... I will just say, I guess I'm in the minority on this one in that I have found a few shows in the current anime season uh, that I really like, which brings us to uh, something that I think that some of our older fans going all the way back to the anime 3000 days, Jack, might be interested (laughs) in. Jack, I am officially changing the APOS drinking game starting now. So for you, Jackson, going forward on the podcast, anytime, Jack, you say, I'm sorry for something, that, (laughs) dear listener, is when you have to consume your beverage of choice. Now, when I, yours truly, David Majors, mentions his favorite anime distribution service, that of course being Netflix, that's when you have to drink. Anytime I say, Netflix going forward, you have to take a drink because everyone knows that my favorite anime in the last few years, most of them have all been on Netflix, including this brand new show that just came out this season called Ingress. Uh, have you guys heard of this one? Arena, have you have you heard of Ingress? I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. Only the promotional stuff. I don't know why, but the publicity makes me think of uh, Cadill, the right answer. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's another anime. It has a very similar look to it. It was uh, great and then ended absolutely atrociously. So I hope Ingress does better. Well, so uh, far, I'm so familiar good. with the mobile game for this. Oh, okay. as a matter yes, of fact. The, the mobile game. It is made by Niantic, uh, the same company that did Pokemon Go. Uh, and I will say that while I did not get the Ingress game, uh, I will say the anime, uh, I'm about four episodes in because I'm not binge watching it. I'm I'm having a little nibble every night or so, about two episodes or so a night. It's pretty darn enjoyable. It has that sci-fi investigation crime stuff that I really, really enjoy and that a lot of Netflix anime are doing now, but it also has that metaphysical dynamic. Uh, Jack, you remember a few years ago, I mentioned an anime to you called C, uh, the possibility of control. Uh, it was the, the one about the cash and the transactions in the alternate world. Ingress reminds me a little bit of that, 
when they talk about their dark energy and the XM particles and how all of these people are using their phones in this game that's not really a game and all of these things are happening. But it revolves around three characters, Makoto, Sarah, and Jack. <laughs> uh, this Jack, I think, if you if you check this show out, uh, this Jack is pretty awesome. Uh, voiced by Crispin Freeman, <laughs> just like this super soldier hitman driver guy. I think you would love him, Jackson. And oh, man. They are... I mean, Crispin Freeman does do my voice on the weekends, so, you know, right. we have plenty in common. I think you'd really get a kick out of that, if nothing else. Uh, I'm going to look him up right now itself, as you continue. The show itself... Uh, I said on Twitter that this makes Pokemon Go and the Pokemon anime look really, really basic and boring because, man, it was, <laughs> I was, I was enthralled by this anime and it w- made me want to play the game. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, Irina, are you like super into sci-fi? Because that's the big thing Netflix has been doing with a lot of their anime. Like, you've got, Exceptions here and there, like Baki the Grappler and JoJo, but a lot of their recent anime has been very sci-fi focused. Have you have you caught this one or or any of the other big Netflix anime? I, I have not caught this one. I'm actually out of step with Netflix just because I'm trying to keep up with Crunchy, and I'm I watch things randomly rather than as they come out. But I am an enormous sci-fi nerd, and I was very sad to have list to have missed the Steinsgate episode catch up you guys did last time so uh aside from that netflix the only things that well i've seen i saw devil man cry baby but we are huge fans of that here well I, i think that's the the general consensus it was a very smartly written wry sort of show uh, but I have not seen any or even heard of what else netflix is doing in anime to be honest so if you want the, the opportunity to say Netflix a whole bunch of times and get your audience really drunk, please <laughs> It wouldn't be the first time uh, the audience or I have been drunk on a podcast before, so let's just get that underway. Uh, everyone, I've been saying it for years, Netflix has become my favorite anime distribution service. Uh, above Crunchyroll, above Funimation, uh, all of the ONAs, as they're called, uh, going all the way back to Knights of Sidonia in, in 2015. Yeah. And and now, Ingress, uh, I had originally thought that this was going to be really awful, uh, but I kind of have a knack for really enjoying anime based on games. Uh, most recently, Ingress, God Eater, uh, going all the way back to a much maligned mech show called Zegapain. Uh, if it is a anime based on a game uh, that is not a visual novel, <laughs> sorry, Jack. Uh, yeah, I usually enjoy them. So yeah, Ingress, everyone, check it out. The anime is really good. Well, say, David, have you seen all of those cute girl shows that are based on mobile games? You know, a Pretty Derby, Cinderella 9 this season. Uh, I believe there was another one. That, anyways, the whole slew of more shows that are based on adorable girls doing mobile game stuff. Interesting. 
So I guess this is just kind of a, a new chance to uh, jump on a new subgenre or type of adaptation. The the light novels, the the graphic novels, you know, uh, manga adaptations, light novel adaptations. Those are old hat. We got to move into mobile gaming situations. <laughs> that that's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, as far as I know about the game, David Ingress, uh, because I know someone who plays it, uh, you can basically, I think it's a really smart thing for them to have, uh, you know, the universe set up as they do, because uh, essentially you'd pretty much just be a part of the universe playing the game if you did choose to pick up Ingress, which I think is a really nice nice way of integrating it in that sense i'd be interested in seeing more things taking that kind of step forward rather than cute girls are playing this mobile game i'd really like to see here's this universe and this game that uh you know so and so has developed now you can be a part of it like if pokemon wasn't necessarily about ash but it was about someone who you could feasibly make in the pokemon go character creator i think it's a character creator surprisingly i am i was born in the 90s and am somehow un uneducated on most things to do with pokemon because i haven't said well this pokemon in a while, Go so. does have a character creator yes it does i, okay. I think that <laughs> the idea originally was that ash ketchum the the loser that he is was supposed to be an avatar type of person but nobody wants to be like ash because ash is a loser gary said so i'm but already like, like ash i kind of want to escape this reality if you get me to play as gary oak i mean that's an automatic buy from me that'll get me to play a real pokemon game if you get me to play the gary ass one i'd love to see what kinds of hoops that writers would have to jump through in order to have this character become likable over the course of your generic pokemon adventure like oh Team Rocket's doing their whole environmental deal once again. Maybe you can grow a conscious and go and have the inevitable. Like, it'd be the same game underneath, but you just have that added to it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, I've gotten way off topic here, and I don't even know anything about Pokemon. I'm really glad that Ingress is doing well. What we're discussing right now really reminded me of what, what point you brought up. Gundam Buildcasters. Like, the general idea from what I saw from Gundam Buildcasters, because I never watched it, was that it was taking Gundam models and giving them sort of a fantasy model and putting them in their own world, rather than creating a Gundam series in its own universe, uh, since Gundam is really all about selling toys, taking those toys and giving them their own kind of universe where you are the pilot of the robot that you made. So maybe that's what Ingress can sell on. But it's already on Netflix, so I guess it doesn't really need a whole lot of help. Maybe it'll get a season two. Be the Beginning is getting a season two, and that makes me really happy. But, uh... Arena... What are yes. you checking out this season, if anything at all? This season, I'm currently watching uh, Bungo Stray Dogs, the season three that's come out, Demon Slayer, Remove and uh, Cinderella 9, which is a very derpy mobile game adaptation. Well, since we're on the subject, I'd like to know a little bit more about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically... It, I'm it's sorry, kind of- David. 
it's one of those cute girl shows with girls playing baseball. It is incredibly generic, very tropey like with baseball. paper tent characters, but I don't know. It's comfortable. It's the type of show you forget about like the second you turn off the TV, but while you watch it, it's a good time. It's okay. It's cute. I've got something that I can uh, attribute many characteristics to that going forward but um i actually used to watch this is really reaching back this was back when they were uh releasing like the original dub of sailor moon still i happened to catch a uh an advertisement on the vhs because you know who wants to rewind or who wants to fast forward through all that you get free clips of anime there and it was advertising something called princess nine which i did end up tracking down and watching a bit of and i just gotta say like anime really does baseball some justice and that was also had to do with a female baseball team so maybe anime just does ladies baseball justice. i i actually own princess nine oh Um, yeah oh yeah and yes it was actually a very decent a surprisingly good show and you're right i i i wouldn't be able to watch to to sit through a baseball game in real life but that was exciting (laughs) No, it's I, I have done this, and and I do enjoy uh, baseball anime from time to time. So now you've got me intrigued about Princess Nine. Uh, but now, guys, uh, we have to go from something as beautiful as the game of baseball to something very, very, very ugly. Something way past cool. It, it's something it's not, so past cool it reached the event horizon. Not cool at all. <laughs> it's not cool so, at all. That's how that's how way past cool it is. It missed so, so hard. Once again, everybody, to new listeners, uh, David here is a lifelong Sega Genesis loving Sonic the Hedgehog, true Sonic Blue fan. So we have to talk about the trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And oh, good gravy, good gravy gumdrops. It was something, all right, and there was pretty much ubiquitous disdain for the design of Sonic. Nobody liked it. People seemed to enjoy seeing Jim Carrey uh, as Dr. Robotnik, and he looked to be, dare I say, almost in 90s form uh, in terms of his delivery and expressionism, and it, it Jim Carrey is owning this role, and he is probably going to need multiple back surgeries after carrying this movie. (laughs) Thank you for making that joke, because if you weren't, I was going, oh, Carrie. Irina, have you seen this trailer and everything surrounding it, and not just me ranting on Twitter about it? Have you seen this Sonic the Hedgehog trailer? I have seen the trailer. I have not followed the controversy, but yeah, somehow I gathered that fans were less than completely balled over. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that good. It was so bad, in fact, that one of the creative directors behind the movie, Jeff Fowler, uh, after the day the trailer came out, tweeted saying, thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. 
everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. So, as it stands, in a rare instance, the creators behind a movie... The internet did something good. ...heard the feedback from the internet, and the creators were like, Whoa, okay guys, we we hear you, we're going to go back and reshop this. We can't go any further... Without stating. Yeah, go ahead. I have mixed feelings on it, but I'll let you go ahead first, Jack. Uh, We can't go any further in this without stating the very obvious in the tone it really requires, which is to say, When will you you learn that your actions have consequences? (laughs) I agree. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Not just the creators, but the internet. It's uh, true. Because after this happened, uh, people realized, oh, wait, we're all upset about crunch culture in art and gaming and creation and development and how corporations make people go into crunch and work crazy amounts of hours and overtime. And now people are saying that's probably what's going to happen with this Sonic movie to have it redone and remade in time for the release that was scheduled. Um, now, Irina, yo, okay. th- this is a thing that happened. The The internet made a change, and now they're not so happy with the consequences. It's a brave new world, and it's not only the crunch. I mean, it's going to go over budget, which means that if the fans don't show up after this, it's going to lose a lot of money. The whole sort of... Classic games to movies is going to lose credibility as a marketable medium. And um, we're going to get less of these movies, most likely, because people complained. I thought the design was hilarious. Not good, but very funny. I would be willing to say that the movie looks silly. And I don't don't even necessarily think that's a bad thing. I really think that their main issue is the design. But... In the context of what it is, it makes me think, and I'm sure it makes a lot of people think, of those really bad Alvin and the Chipmunks movies or the <laughs> the live action Smurfs movies. And honestly, like, if it had come out and that was what was going to happen, I was just willing to ignore it. I was not going to feel good for the Sonic fans, but I was willing to ignore it. Um, I just want to say, I have a lot to say about people... First of all, there was no statement given with this Tom Fuller statement. You read it in its entirety, correct, David? Yes, that was right from his Twitter account. Uh, there hasn't been any statement made, to my knowledge, of any kind of pushback on the date. However, comma, I love that people immediately thought that there was going to absolutely be no delay whatsoever. That's not <laughs> how anything works. Can I just say that people from both sides of the argument saying this is a good thing that we're getting change and people on the other side going so you've decided to to whip the backs of the animators themselves and wring out their sweat and blood in order to fully render all of the new frames right like no that's not like nothing has come forward saying that there's any kind of okay we're gonna release it as as the on the same day because that's that's crazy talk. That's absolutely insane. But then they there's were saying people from the other. It's supposed to be about six months from yeah. now. 
Yeah, there's there's nothing coming forward that says we're we're uh, delaying it, but there wasn't anything that came forward about we're going to just release it on the same day. But I'd be willing to say that if you think about it for more than two seconds, wouldn't it kind of go without saying that there's going to have to be a delay, even if it wasn't mentioned? I, I really can't move past that. I'm just kind of like, Internet, please. Calm down, down and maybe be a little patient with this, especially <laughs> since like there's probably got to be like an estimate made at least <laughs> like, oh, I'm just surprised that it was even brought up that this this had that this change has even been made. So, you know, I can't imagine since this is so unprecedented for the Internet and film culture as a whole stuff's got to be figured out, peeps. I, I imagine it will be uh, n- not only the fans in the Internet, but also uh, the man who designed and created Sonic himself, Naoto Oshima, uh, former Sega designer and artist, the man who drew and created Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, tweeted that he is very humbled and very grateful that his vision of Sonic is the the idea that Sonic that people hold in their hearts and he admitted that when he saw the trailer, he was worried. So it's it's also rare because if you remember Dragon Ball Evolution, uh, when that came out, Irina, if you if you remember this, when Dragon Ball Evolution came out, uh, Akira Toriyama he kind of he was rather ambiguous about the whole thing. <laughs> uh, a lot of times, artists when something is adapted in a different way that they'll they'll kind of be quiet about it and and this was different in the case of Naoto Oshima he was he, he pretty much said eh, I don't know about all that uh I, I this was the first example that I can remember of this happening before something came out uh, and I don't know may, maybe seeing the guy that created the character say this uh, might have changed <laughs> some minds too now, David, I've got a question, and this can go around the horn uh, as need be, but uh, there's been some redesigns going around. Uh, you know, people have been working on Twitter and kind of trying to bridge that gap between the realistic textures and lighting and the cartoony style. Some people have just done what looked like full-on game model renders in the real environment. And, you know, that's fine. Uh, just are there any... Is there any level of realism to game faithfulness that you found has been perfectly utilized so far? Are there any examples that you think would be good jumping off points or how are you feeling about that? I feel like a great jumping off point would be the character designs from Sonic Boom. I think height wise, uh, I think in terms of design, height wise for the characters, those all worked really well. I don't think that it's a good idea for them to go totally into that uncanny valley for realism. I, I just don't. Uh, because if this is going to be something that kids will enjoy, adults will enjoy, why not make it something that's a little easier on the eyes? And I, I feel like the Sonic Boom character design is as good as it gets. Uh, yes, people had opinions on the scarves. Uh, I was pro scarf. The and scarf is cute. It is. It is. 
And uh, on the Sonic forums, uh, there was someone that made a meme that said, apologize to Sonic Boom. You apologize. And Oh, no, seriously. And people like, did. <laughs> because no, you Sonic don't know Boom, what you've uh, got show. until you see this trailer. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you deserve, Sonic fans. You get that is that, that is the core of my fandom on everything. Like sometimes you get what you deserve, and and I think the internet had this one coming. Quite frankly, uh, I've ranted many times about how I feel about Sonic fandom and the memes. But moving on from that, would you say I'm, then, uh, David? Don't you? <laughs> would dare. you say in a sequentially ranked hierarchy based on level of critical importance, the disparity between us is too vast to quantify? I Put that on you. Patreon. I hate you. <laughs> the doctor thinks you're basic. <laughs> I hate you. <sighs> uh, well, okay, we'll Jack. have our butts in seats first thing when that comes out six months from now with absolutely no delays. Because <laughs> you only have to tweak a 3D model. Not completely relighted or anything. <sighs> Moving on. Moving on for uh, real, for real. <laughs> okay, Jack. This one, this one is you. You've got this one in the in the notes. So uh, go ahead. This one is uh, about Ratchet and Clank, right? Oh, uh, actually, this is a little bit of an around the horn, kind of on the the subject of the Sonic movie. So it was kind of mentioned. Uh, both you and Arena kind of mentioned that there is a bit of uh, stigma against video game adaptations. And look, we all know, and it's fine. Uh, there is a bit of a. I'd like to call it a scale, you know, it's kind of a, a spectrum, a shifting scale, as it were. And we've now seen pretty much the broad gamut of video game adaptations. Now we've seen everything from Ratchet and Clank's. OK, we're going to stretch out the cutscenes, basically, with basically same kind of animation style, animation grade, everything. But it'll just be really, really samey, very boring, not not really jumping off anything. And then you have completely imaginative, but in a completely separate universe, Super Mario Brothers movie starring Bob Hoskins, which APOS listeners will know I actually really enjoy. But I'm wondering, is there a medium between these two where you have a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, where you're trying new stuff and you keep to the things that work? On a scale of Ratchet and Clank, then, to Super Mario Brothers movie, I'm asking you guys, do you think there's a sweet medium, and do you have a game in mind for this kind of treatment? Anita, I'll let you go first on this one, because I'm going to take a minute to think about it, but I have one in mind for sure. So, Anita, you can go first. Okay. Well, first of all, you mentioned mostly action-oriented games that have cutscenes, but not a huge amount of lore on them. So I think you'd need a game maybe with just a tad more story and more character development you could build on. So I would go maybe for something like Bioshock. I think you have a lot of world building and a very interesting visual universe around you with characters that can still be human, so you don't have that in Canny Valley, which is one of the problems with these games. <laughs> they can still look normal, and you still have that fast-paced action aspect that brings in the whole video game mechanics. You can even shoot some of those video game mechanics. It's very visual. 
I, I would go for a game like that. And you have layers and layers of lore and psychological horror and background. And it's based on an Anne Ryan novel, which just makes no sense. I, there, there's a lot of potential <laughs> there. I, I would really like to see a Bioshock movie uh, going forward. I think, you know, <laughs> because Ayn Rand continues to face growing scrutiny as we keep going forward, you know, it is, uh, you know, kind of a hot button thing about, you know, is man entitled to the sweat of the brow? And also you get cool lightning hands. So, yeah, I think that's prime movie material right there. Do you have any uh, stars you'd probably want to uh, rope into the deal? You know, let's say that you have, you know, everybody at your disposal, any celebrity whatsoever. Are you thinking of any kind of stars well, for uh, sure. our main character? <laughs> just came up with this like five minutes ago so i haven't given it that much thought let's see hmm so our main character our main character is the least developed one right because it's the audience surrogate so you just need someone good looking i'd say paul rudd okay (laughs) we can gender bend it we can have very attractive women how about charlie theron true very true honestly uh it's it's a game adaptation that has reached a lot of scrutiny as well that, again, against all odds, I s- seem to really enjoy. But I did like the fact that they gender swapped uh, the main character, the protagonist for the Silent Hill film. Uh, instead of Harry, you're following around, I think her name was Susan instead. I think that those kinds of changes are, you know... They, they give you an added, oh, okay, so something's different about here. Maybe there's a different reason why this character is going into this situation. So it'd be interesting. I'd like to see a Bioshock film that was, you know, starring a gal and go, okay, what she got going on? It could be well, I think completely different or, you know, have a small, like, a semblance to the original plot, however it is. It, it worked particularly well in Silent Hill because it brought a layer of vulnerability, of visual vulnerability to the character, which made it just a bit more tense and scarier when Indeed. you're watching it and you're not interacting with it. Like this, when you're playing Silent Hill, it's coming at you, so you have all that shock value that's lost in the movie. But when you have your main character being just a little more fragile, you get more scared for her. So it makes sense. In a Bioshock game, I'm not sure if it would make sense. I would put still a very like strong... I, I mentioned Shanley Stallone because of her Mad Max role, which was pretty kick-ass. So I think it would fit into the universe. But, you know, that that's... There is a lot of... Uh, maybe we could find a completely new name, you know, start their career. Oh, yeah. I'm actually thinking now, now that I'm thinking about it and, you know, the possibilities that we could spread forward, I'm also thinking, like, for some reason, a name popping into my mind for a Bioshock film is, I'd love to see them, you know, costume and light Chadwick Boseman for an environment and a time period like that. Like, could you imagine, you know, in that really nice kind of, I think the main character has a well-knit sweater, so that doesn't count. But, you know, like, you know, get him in like a nice shirt waist, everything, and like the dress shirt and stuff. He's a little beat up, and maybe there's some water damage on his clothes. Here's a thing for you. Clothes. Found them somewhere that was leaking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What if, if we bring in Infinite into it, Bioshock Infinite, and your your idea of Chadwick Boseman... (laughs) Hold on, because I liked Infinite. Hold on. Okay. I also what liked if Infinite. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman were to play Booker DeWitt. Oh, I'm 
into that. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> if we get ourselves like a, a Bioshock cinematic universe here, I am all for Chadwick as Booker. I'm super down for that. Who's our listener? I would absolutely want Infinite somewhere involved. I, I think, honestly, Infinite might work better as a film for me anyway, rather than a game installment, just because... I'm a jerk, and I guess it just took me out of it as an entirety thing. But uh, I, I would love to see that kind of environment in, you know, with full freedom of camera, where you wouldn't have to, you know, constantly follow the character's point of view all the time. I'd love to see that whole world, you know, without limits, and, uh, you know, see some unique set pieces, and you could get some action scenes in there, and yeah, like the emotional kinds of scenes with Elizabeth. I'm okay now. Now I'm on board with it, Dave. I I am on board for. I saw you on Bioshock Infinite, Jack. <laughs> You've sold me on Bioshock Infinite, the movie. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, I think I figured it out. It's it's my turn now. And Jack, uh, like we talked about with having a a pitch on a previous episode, if you want to throw the penalty flag at me on this one, you are free to. But I, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking of uh, this would be a fantastic TV series that could probably get the six seasons and a movie treatment. And I, it came to my mind of what is something that could really expand it into an entire universe, a, a literal universe with planets and star systems and societies and people and, and everything that makes good stories. Mass Effect. I could see Mass Effect as a sci-fi series in the vein of a show like a Battlestar Galactica, like a Dark Matter, like The Expanse, and yes, everybody, like Star Trek. <laughs> Are you keeping the same ending as the Mass Effect 3 ending? I did not hate the Mass Effect 3 ending as much as most, but I think that I would probably do something a little bit different. Uh, because I, I do believe in, in the galaxy having peace at the end of my giant space opera. So I, I would probably do something slightly different. I would tweak it slightly. So I would make Mass Effect a five season series on the sci-fi channel and then give it its big budget movie to make its giant massive conclusion and as a star i would take a actress that i've recently become a big big fan of uh, and her name is zoe palmer she's uh -huh. an she's an actress on the show dark matter she plays the android and she would be my protagonist. She would be the Commander Shepard because I think she took to sci-fi really well and I, I would have a built-in audience, which would mean money. And yeah, that that's what I would do. It would be Mass Effect. I like that's it. That's a good choice. I definitely agree that that is something that is more of a television show pitch, but... Uh, I think I was lenient last time as well, so I'll allow it. I also believe that you could really only set up, you know, five 
perfectly written, you know, well cliffhangered seasons of emotional intrigue and interpersonal relationships, and then finally have it all culminate in the great climactic film. I would really, yeah, there you go. You've got it well thought out there, David. <laughs> and I just came up with that just now. You know, it makes me think of Babylon 5 for some reason. There's yeah. a lot of... That There's was a one that my mom and I enjoyed back in the day. <laughs> well, uh, I hate to say I did not go as uh, deep into thought with these as uh, my notes for when I came up with this uh, right before our, our podcast. Uh, I simply came up with what I thought would be the most marketable. And I'm... <sighs> I mean, there are bits and pieces of media flying out there of this already, but I mean, is it really that noteworthy if no one's talking about it? I'm talking, of course, of uh, the underutilized but very popular sci-fi dogfighting series of Nintendo's known as Star Fox. It's animals in space! doing completely marketable dogfighting maneuvers. And wouldn't you love to see that in movie great animation? Because this has to be animated. It cannot be that uncanny, not live action that Disney is trying so, so hard to keep having be a thing. And I guess Sonic is continuing to follow with that. But I really feel like... Yes, it's yet another sci-fi story where you're just following a bunch of ships and everything, but it's so easy to understand. The characters are so massively in your face. They've got some excellent personalities to go off with one another. You can get all the celebrity cameos in there that you want. And I have here in my notes that for uh, my possible casting, that if Chris Pratt is not at least Star Fox, he should have like a cameo there is the the stoner dog bill he'd make an excellent bill for like a hey i'm just gonna fly in for two seconds and then i'm gone bye i don't know it'd be even better if maybe they they had like a like a specially made raccoon model for him there you go i know it's the wrong character but you know easter egg got a easter egg would you want jackson uh, this to have, say, some DOD consulting so you could use like real life planes or or planes like from the Ace Combat series where they're souped up super planes and it's a wild, crazy, almost Metal Gear Solid-esque plot for your Star Fox movie. I absolutely would love that. There are some previously made fictitious uh, crafts for the series, uh, the R-Wings and such, and the Great Fox, that I would like them, of course, to uh, base everything off of. But the realism, I would love for them to get a little bit deeper into that. And this is where I'm going to also admit that, David, I kind of cheated a bit. It's not a movie necessarily, but there's something with that kind of tone that already exists. And I believe we might have talked about it on... uh, a previous installation of APOS, or maybe even hearkening way, way back to A3K times. Do you remember the web animation, A Fox in Space? I vaguely do. A Fox in Space. Vaguely, yes. Uh, so for you, Enrita, I'm going to just uh, just remind you that this is a single guy's passion. One fella working, uh, I think there's two episodes strong now, because again, it's 
just one guy doing it. This has taken him all these years to make two episodes of a very smartly written, quippy, well-animated, beautiful, kind of like neon vaporwave 80s aesthetic kind of uh, Star Fox adult animated cartoon series. You know, there's intrigue. You've got Wolf bailing him out and bringing him in to meet mob boss Andros. There's all kinds of really great ideas going in here. And again, it's only two episodes strong because it is just, just this one guy doing it. And uh, I mean, spoilers for all those years ago podcasts, uh, Nintendo didn't take it down. They just kind of made their own subpar CG anime. So, uh, you know, if that interests you, like, please take a look at it, uh, pick it up. You know, it's just a couple episodes. That's the kind of tone I'd like to see them take going forward. And I cannot stress this enough. I think that sort of thing needs to be used sparingly, but it is so awesome to see in properties like this. And it could have worked with it could have. And that's as far as I'll leave that. And guys, if you have listeners, your own idea of what you might want to pitch at us. I'm at call me DJM. Jack is at Jack D Tyler D. Let us know your pitch. We're we're open minded, or at least Jack's open minded. I'm <laughs> open minded sometimes. Yeah, let us know. We want to hear your pitch. I I came up with an elevator pitch idea thingy a while back. So yeah, let us know. At us, why don't you? Uh, Jack, what what's this about yokai you put here in the show notes? What what's this all about? Uh, Jack's watching some anime, David. Hey, I'm watching some anime. It's an uh, anime podcast, everybody. <laughs> Yay. Uh, thanks to our good buddies at Verve. This is not sponsored by Verve. I'm just watching Verve. Uh, I came across the Morose Mononokian uh, because I just typed in yokai into the subject line and search in Verve because David, I like me some yokai. And I see here in the notes that, uh, Irina, you also like yokai. So, uh, you know a little bit of something about this series, I, it looks like? I, I've watched both seasons. I, in fact, reviewed the episode reviewed season two uh, last season when it was airing. It is a, a sweet little show. It's interesting. It's not my favorite yokai show, but it, it, has, um, it has potential. And the second season is actually a lot more interesting than the first. I'm not sure how far you've gotten. Ah. Well, uh, as of this recording, I'm only on the third episode. I look forward to giving it a little bit more. Uh, as David has mentioned before, he likes to give episode, he likes to give things about three to four episodes, and I thought that that would be good for this because you're right. It does feel somewhat average. Like the animation is really nothing all that special. The character designs are are distinct. They're not great. And uh, the dubbing is serviceable. I, I actually like the fact that there seem to be a lot of new talents. And yes, I am watching the dub. <laughs> but um, what I like about it is it really seems to showcase some more unique yokai than I've seen in some other stories or, um, you know, similar things. And it's not the best comparison, but something like uh, Mushishi or Holic by Clamp seem to be really good comparisons for this because it's yet another homeboy goes to school balancing normal life also has to avoid interact 
interacting with monsters too much kind of deal. But I'm really enjoying the the unique spin that it's taking on it of how the environment works. It's just this kind of sentient door that opens up. Think Hal's door and Hal's moving castle a little bit, you know, kind of opens you up to wherever you need to go. And uh, the proprietor of the Monokian is just my favorite character so far. I love these capricious jerks that are like, you homeboy you're annoying and i seriously need you to leave right now before some creep up some creature got in okay well i'm gonna send you to deal with it because you're a crybaby (laughs) i love that kind of character that has to deal with the protagonist bs so much (laughs) maybe there's maybe there's a psychological reason maybe i deal with a lot of anime protagonists every day (laughs) jack we discussed this it's shoten the 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 shonen it's protagonists shonen. are always bratty. It's shonen. <laughs> well, Mon and Akian is actually shoujo. Interesting plot twist. Yeah. Uh, plot twist. I mean, I would be willing to bet that just based off of the opening and closing animations, which are very very flowery, very pink and sparkly. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, it doesn't really give that much indication. Of- the show itself it's just pretty much a standard guy sees monster show uh that being said if uh you know this if this is something you watched i guess uh, my little netflix uh recommendation uh auto feature would recommend to you uh xxxholic or mushishi kind of similar episodic structure but i'm looking forward to seeing it uh hopefully improve maybe i'll stick it out to the second season see how it goes Oh, the, the second season is actually quite interesting. It gets some intrigue, some political intrigue going on. It's, it starts to really get its bearings. I, I love Mushishi. I quite like XXXholic as well. But to me, the most similar show to Mononokian, at least, is really Natsume's Book of Friends, which if anyone who knows me knows that I'm a just hopeless fangirl of that show. Oh, I, I actually have caught a couple episodes of that way 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 back i think when it um maybe had been out for maybe a year i think i think it's very cute i should take a look at that a little bit more so that's specifically yokai though correct because mushishi they're mushi. they're not necessarily yokai they're yeah no that's specifically yokai and it's very yokai centric it explains the different types of yokai and what they mean and the japanese cultural significance and so on and there's six seasons out there, so you, you get plenty of episodes. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing the uh, artwork here now. It's ringing a bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yokai are absolutely interesting. For those uh, who follow me on Twitter, you might know, and uh, those who don't are now going to get a little refresher. I have a Tengu character for a Pathfinder campaign who is pretty much just kind of taking over the popularity of the entire rest of my drawn cast and his name is scrum and he's fantastic and tengu are just great i enjoy them very deeply uh so i'll be looking forward to seeing this uh you know kind of find its legs i very much uh am liking the character dynamics so far i think that they're a really good um you know creatures so far i really liked the mask character in the third episode that was probably one of my favorites Especially the fact that you can tell the voice actors are having a lot of fun with the more yeah, the, monstrous characters. Which, yes. That, that's true. It does sound like the voice. Oh, well, I haven't seen the dub. But in 
in the original, it did sound like the voice cast were having a good time. That that was pleasant. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that, you know, it just had to, you know, regardless of the cast, that would be the case because uh, who doesn't want to play a fun monster? Uh, the Eccentric Family is a show that has some fantastic Tengu characters. A lot of them. And just great. All right. I, I will have to take a look at that because... As I've mentioned, Tengu are pretty extra rad. Uh, and then another anime that I've been checking out, and um, I'm a little bit further on. I'm on episode four of that. I just want to say a quick shout out to friend of the show, Christopher Ferris, who we just had on recently. Uh, he has a little bit of a secret talent. He put out a thread basically saying, hey, pretty much any kind of sports anime you know any kind of sports events uh there's an anime for it and so i half jokingly said stage combat although i firmly believe that stage musical theater theater in general is one of the most intensive contacts sports uh but he delivered with starlight review and can i just say it's great Sorry, no, it's Review Starlight. How did I get that wrong? Review Starlight is pretty great, David. In, in the case of this Twitter thread, Jack, I saw it too. And then I threw out rugby. But I don't think Chris ever got back with me on that one. Chris, if you're Ooh. out there, if you're listening, if you have a rugby anime, please let me know. Because I think <laughs> I missed his reply on that one. I, I don't think. As of right now, as it stands, as we record this... There is no rugby anime. If there is a rugby anime, guys, please let me know. At me. Call me DJM. I promise I will not snap at you. I promise. Does Hello, some... I should 21 count? Eh, that, that's football. That, that's American football. So rugby, not, not quite. No, no. David just really wants to learn the mm-hmm. intricacies of rugby that only anime can satisfy because let's be fair guys when it comes to anime sports or anime events they really get into the nitty-gritty of stuff or they'll just kind of generalize and hope that you don't notice but (laughs) we're not talking about kake gurui's gambling games here we're talking about sports and i gotta say uh there hasn't been any tech talk in review starlight as it's a little bit more fantastical and non-diegetic than I initially thought. But uh, wow, is it really greatly animated. Uh, I won't spend too much time getting into the detail here, but I would really much recommend that if you're looking for something a little bit different, this might be what you want because, wow, this is very different than I was expecting. Uh, Gearing up, you go into this pretty nice-looking prep school where all of these uh, want-to-be stars are working on a musical review in their theater program. And pretty quickly in episode one, things take a turn for what seems to be some kind of elaborate dream sequence. It's quickly revealed that all of these girls in this program are secretly competing in... I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's basically Fencing Fight Club. They put on these really excellent beautiful gorgeous uniforms i think you just had a very you know similar kind of um you know elaborate uniform they get their rapiers out and they go to town and it's just really i i have no words i just 
didn't expect it to go there because uh, Jack, <laughs> would you say these secret competitions are fenced off from the rest of the world? <laughs> I would. Uh, it, it's just really surprising to me because it, uh, I, I've been thinking this for a while now, David, and I think it's time to get it off of my chest. I think that the internet has done a lot of harm to fiction in many ways. Sometimes when you have a good fantasy situation like this, where you get this weird scenario where, oh, they're just in this gigantic stage with a void of blackness around them. And there's these pistons that are taking their hairpins and melting them down into the epaulets that they put on their uh, uniforms. Like you can't think about this literally. You can't go on to Twitter and go, well, what does this have to do with? No, like sometimes something can just, not be diegetic it can just be this completely out of nowhere experience and you have to take it for the fact that they are literally fighting and you just have no idea who's setting it up how they did it how the giraffe got there because there's a giraffe guys in case you're not already intrigued enough and i'd like to know like going forward like what the hell's going on but I just got to say, it's definitely capturing that sense of the stage where you don't have to care where the stage is. You just have to watch the freaking performance. And I think that's pretty excellent of them to be able to handle that within this plot of it. Like, OK, well, once you're done, you can't talk about the fight with the people that you just participated with. Like, there's all these kinds of interesting little tidbits to it that are keeping it from being so fully fleshed out and giving you all of the details as to what it's going. It's very, very good fantasy. And uh, it has definitely gotten both my curiosity and my attention. And like I said, the the fight scenes are like... (laughs) I complained about the animation in Yuri on Ice because it's bad. But uh, I'm saying the animation in this is good. It's good. Like they're they're going with camera movements and Dutch angles and long cuts between these, uh, you know, fantastically uh, expressive sword movements and defensive maneuvers. And they're doing the right stuff, too, because it's a real fight. It's a real sword fight. It's going hard. And I love it. So. I will be keeping an eye on this one, especially, but uh, both of these have definitely caught my attention. But wow, Chris, like what a find. I thought I was getting into generic like, okay, I'll look forward to seeing them, you know, in episode 12 fencing like, no, you get that at the beginning. You get to start with that (laughs) and then kind of pick yourself up from there. You'll be picking up your pieces moving forward. Oh, and the main character's name is Karen. And I was really confused hey. if that was a dub thing. Hey, but her name, my Karen. mom's name. My, uh-huh. my mom's name is Karen. I like it. Well, I'll be rooting for your mother to win the full review. Then. <laughs> Can we one more time, Jack, tell us where review starlight is available for viewing. Uh, review starlight is available for both the dub and subtitled versions on our good friends at verb. And I believe that's on. Crunchy roll. No, it's actually high dive. So yeah, high that's dive. on Verve. It's pretty great. Please support the official release. We got we got to incorporate that into the drinking game somehow too, because th- that is a thing we we say here as well a lot. 
We talk about Netflix. We, we apologize for things a lot and we tell people to please support the official release. I think, I think we need to incorporate that too. Well, I'm sorry that people are not supporting the official release of Starlight Review right now like they could be <laughs> if they weren't busy watching Netflix. I was trying to get it in there. There we go. You're welcome. Um, now, Anina, uh, l- let's bring it to the main event of the evening. Uh, I was reading Actually, one of your pieces. You for one second and Absolutely. say all out, all out anime. It's a rugby anime. All out. <laughs> yes. Ooh. All out. There it, it is. Been I, found. <laughs> it has been found. Irina, that is absolutely fantastic. I, I am looking at this in real time. And you guys can hear my keyboard clackety clack. Yes, this is rugby. And I, I'm there it is. All out. There it is. And Irina, you win. You win. Thank you. Thank so so Thank now I, I'm going to uh, take this time uh, since I can't like buy you a drink because this is a podcast, uh, but you win the game. So I, I'm going to take this time now to talk a little bit about something I saw on your very wo- your very website, the Drunken Anime Blog. Uh, dating sims are for lonely losers and other lies. Now I I loved this article. Uh, one because you subverted the, the entire concept, uh, and two because uh, for people out there that that might already know, I'm kind of a judgmental bastard. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I saw this and it immediately caught my attention. And uh, I am someone who who is known as being a, a bit of the lewd police. I I, I do not suffer lewds greatly. So when I read this, it, one, it was, it caught my attention of saying, okay, uh, we all know the, the stereotype of, of those that play the dating sim games, especially the more explicit ones. Uh, but then it, it kind of went on from there. And, and I really loved your insight, Adina. So uh, tell me what you were thinking. Uh, tell me your thoughts when you were going through this and, and playing some of these games. Well, like I said in the article, much like you, originally, I had a lot of preconceptions and just, you know, I am not the loot police at all. So the fact that there were some more risque materials wasn't problematic, in my opinion. But it, it seemed sort of like just a waste of time. And I basically just picked up a game to make fun of it because I'm a bit of a jerk. And it turned you out fit to be... in perfectly with us, I promise. <laughs> right. I, I feel right at home. It turned out to be weirdly fun for reasons that I didn't expect. Now, like like any other form of mediums, there's good ones, there's bad ones. There's a lot of bad ones. But the bad ones are stupid in a very harmless sort of way, in a non-annoying way. Just the type of stupid you could laugh at and make fun of and know that no one out there in the world is taking this seriously at all and whereas the smart ones they they can actually get you to think about yourself a little bit in a way that i found rather unusual rather unique it's a game that's very for lack of a better word boring it it these types of games asks you to do very sort of mundane actions just basic conversations with basic people that 
aren't really interesting. The main characters are often. I I am selling it. It's it's incredible. The main characters are often not that, since they're supposed to be an audio surrogate, they're not that special. Everybody's supposed to see something of themselves in it. So they're not written as fantastic, which means that you're trying to pour yourself in and force your own personality onto it in a very sort of unique way, a way that you don't do with other games because there's nothing else to do. And you start to really figure out who you want to be, not necessarily who you are, but who in an ideal world you'd want to be perceived as because you have no choice. That's the only way that you can really interpret these types of games. And uh, yeah, I find out found out a bit about myself, not all great things, some were interesting things, but I started to see what somebody else might see in it. It's really not a simulation for any sort of relationship or for real life interaction in any way. It's more of an exploration of in an idealized world, what would you what would you like people to see you as? And also it's just a way to live in a completely ridiculous soap opera, which once in a while is really fun, especially a few drinks in. Uh, speaking as a wrestling fan, I can definitely relate to the soap opera dynamic. Uh, but you, you, def- you mentioned something about the living in a world, and it made me think that maybe I've been looking at these games the wrong way all this time, and that maybe I should start comparing them more to RPG games, as opposed to them being kind of their own little weird genre that's all on their own, maybe the dynamics are more like RPG games with different characters that are different archetypes and personalities, and you being the protagonist that's your own personality. Maybe, if I were to interpret these more as an RPG game with choices and how they go and how things turn out maybe that's the way it can go because there uh, are yes i I was gonna say because i I don't dislike rpg games for the most part but go ahead jack uh there are a number of games that come to mind for this i happen to be uh not too much anymore because they are very time consuming, especially the ones that are more heavily, uh, you know, focused on the writing and the world building. Uh, a number of games come to mind that have a very, you know, leveling up system because, uh, you know, uh, you are correct, Arena, in that these have have a lot of uh, very basic tasks that you have to accomplish a lot of times, and sometimes you'll even have to uh, level the character by accomplishing these basic tasks in order to complete certain criteria you know it isn't just about oh i gotta say the thing that is gonna not piss this character off in this choice of one or two and if i get it wrong i just have to go back like there are some games that do require a bit of leveling up like you gotta actually have something for the guy or you know your otherwise partner to uh you know, latch on to. And there were a couple that you mentioned in this article, actually. Uh, There was such as Hustle Cat, which is a really interesting one. Uh, And you made note here of the fact that that is a game where you can pick your own gender, uh, which I think is very great. Um, And there are uh, a widespread uh, include that there is a rising amount of games that will uh, 
primarily have maybe uh, all male partners, but maybe one female option for an Otome game or I haven't really seen the case otherwise. And you also mentioned that there is a lot of lack of uh, gay dating sims. Don't I know it? But, uh, you know, I'd like to also see the opposite be true. But there are at least for the Otome side of things, there is a little bit of more choice uh, occasionally happening. And you make a great point about these really feel more like they're meant to set up a premise of a world or a certain kind of system that exists in a pre-existing world or otherwise. And then the characters are also either part of it or, or some other uh, sort of complement to the world. Like I see you have a screenshot of Oz mafia here, which um, if anyone can not tell from the title is a combination of mafia families and wizard of oz characters <laughs> and it's i mean are you not entertained just hearing that like if <laughs> sometimes that's all you need like the pitch can be intriguing enough to look at on its own let me just tell you in one of the early stories of the game the main character which is the lovely lady called fuka loses a beauty contest to a duck I was the duck. <laughs> uh, username jokes, people. <laughs> As you can uh, see, Jack is quacking up at that joke. Uh, I made me laugh, and that's what matters. <laughs> that's the important thing. If you can make yourself laugh, nobody else. It's kind of the core of this podcast. <laughs> and, um, I mean, if this is, uh, I, I think that there can also be a point made that maybe the reason why a lot of people haven't necessarily understood that there is a kind of a range to the quality of dating simulators that, you know, maybe the ones that you've seen are just kind of more of the same. Like I can think of a couple people off the top of my head that are probably thinking of, oh, Sakura Wars, uh, Sakura Samurai, all of those terrible, terrible Steam games that have you know, topless women all over still look like they're 15 at best, you know, those certainly exist, but you know, there are, there's, there's a very interesting kind of spectrum to it. And I think that there's also a point to be made that sometimes those really bad ones can be entertaining. I'm not willing to go and delve in there, but I can see the point made <laughs> that, you know, maybe if you're intoxicated with some friends and they've got really, really bad Steam libraries. <laughs> There's a wonderful Yeah, it, it sounds like you have experience with this. <sighs> I don't, but I, I know someone who may, may have a number of these games. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening to this, but... I really hope you're okay. <laughs> now, Irina, I, I will ask you, if I were to play a dating sim, what would you, if you had to pick one, what would you recommend? Well, if you want a good, let's call it a deconstruction, something that uh, has some 
It goes interesting ways. It's been adapted into a horrible anime, but the game is very good. You could try School Days. Oh, yeah, that anime was definitely something. Now, you have to understand that the game actually, it's very, it's smartly written, meaning you can have a very happy-go-lucky cute traditional experience playing it it's really dependent on your choices and it branches out pretty wildly i i i'm interested by the the twists and turns that you're saying so um, school if you, days if is if the one doki doki this this could um, could call it a precursor there the idea is there noted very noted school days school days School well, Days can be found on the App Store and on Congregate, of all things. Interesting. Wow. It's, <laughs> I it's Linux. haven't heard that in a while. That's amazing. Uh, I My hat in the ring would be, at the very least, check out the premise um, and, at the very least, the character designs of Amnesia. Amnesia? That's probably one of the more basic uh, dating sims, more on the Otome side of things, and it gives a fairly easy to understand trope as to why you kind of have to re-garner your relationship with these people. Uh, character designs are pretty out there, but honestly, I think that tends to be people's, uh, you know, draw to a lot of these. I think you even call them like over-accessorized personifications <laughs> in your article, you know, which I think yep. is, that's it. That's, that's exactly exactly what they are but um that one is pretty uh like up there in terms of being more straight with uh you know just kind of doing your basic dating sim and there is a massive amount of drama and such and i believe there was actually an anime made of that let me double check to see if that's there is there is i haven't seen it but i've heard horrible things about it oh dear well maybe not check out that but uh (laughs) Uh, Amnesia was one that I had, um, you know, a lot of interest in because, again, it does have like a fairly clever way of, you know, it has going an about the yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the anime, I'm not finding where you can watch it. So yeah, you know, that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's it most bad. definitely is. This episode has been the best. It's It's been a joy. And Irina, thank you so much for coming on uh, the anime podcast of some sort for with us today. And thank you so much. And please let everybody out there know what you're up to and where we can find it. Well, I am writing daily on my blog. I drink and watch anime, as you've mentioned before. Otherwise, not doing that well. I'm working, which is sad. But this has been really so much fun, you guys. If if ever you want me back on, I'd be more than happy to join. And it's been a real pleasure and a treat to be with you this evening. And Arena, thank you again. Jack, thank you. we did it. We got another podcast out. This Indeed. is the anime podcast of some sort, everybody. We, we did it. And I'm quite satisfied with how this has turned out. Jack... I know you're you're doing all sorts of things. Uh, I'll just say I'll see everybody at Colossal Con in Sandusky, Ohio. And Jack, wrap it up. Take us out. All righty. You can find uh, David Majors at Call Me DJM on the Twitter. I'm at Jack D. Tyler D. Please 
check out the anime podcast of some sort on all available podcatchers, all kinds of audio listening devices. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, all them good things. You can also ask for it by name with your Google Home or Alexa. So anime podcast of some sort. Also check out DeltaJulietMike.com for all related show notes and other goodies and tidbits. And please check out my art blog and other also tidbits and goodies at duck behind the wheel on the Instagram for David majors for Irina at I drink, I drink and watch anime and Jack D Tyler D. Thank you so much. Watch good things, do good things, be good people and Shrek dies in Endgame. Have a good night. Bye.